the way. We wanted men. Welcome to episode 139 of the Smuggler's Galaxy podcast. This one is a pretty freaking awesome podcast for us. Uh, I'm Glenn, and I've got Jason with me over there. But Hello. we've got a very awesome and special podcast. We have got the designers from Jazzwares. We've got three guys with us. We've got John, who is a staff designer. We've got Max, who's been on the podcast before. He's the senior brand manager. And then we've got Glenn, who is the senior director of product, senior product director. Sorry, my handwriting really stinks tonight. No, senior um, director of product, product development. Product development. Sorry. Yes. Senior director so, of product development. So, uh, so the fun, Glenn, uh, Glenn Williams and Jason, uh, thank you so much for having us on. Uh, really happy to talk Star Wars Micro Galaxy Squadron and, and collecting in general. Uh, you've got three major toy fans with you tonight. Uh one thing that I, I do want to say is, you know, we're going to be using probably some technical terms here. So what I'd like to do is kind of give an overview as to what each of us does for the brand, because I think that that does help provide a lot of context. Right. Yes. So uh, as as the senior brand manager, my job is really to uh, ensure that each product is uh, concepted and moves all the way through through the development process, um, helps with marketing, kind of keeps their hands on everything to keep everything moving. People often say that the brand manager is the quarterback of the brand, kind of making sure that everything moves forward helping to ideate new ideas and being the kind of centralized touch point across uh, all the different various members of the brand team, which includes design, packaging, marketing, product development, um, et cetera. Uh, and then I also, of course, work with our sales team uh, to ensure that the product's sold in. And then I also keep my fingers on the pulse of retail to see how we're doing uh, and to see what's getting on shelf and where and how we can kind of uh, best uh, best either update or revise our mixes. Um, John, give an overview as to what you do, man. Hi, I'm a staff designer. Uh, and my job, I'll receive a list of some vehicles. And I have to translate that. And some of these vehicles are from animation. Some are from movies. Some are from 3D animation. And I have to take that ship, that concept, and run it through the star wars micro galaxy filter and so it all works in one cohesive line give it a bit of reality uh and unity so it all works together and uh give uh, as much play value and as much function and details as as i could possibly get into them just to make them as interactive and uh, my, my favorite thing is creating things to inspire kids, uh, imaginative play. And so when, when I'm doing it, I go, how are they going to play with this and tell stories with each other and uh, inspire their imagination? So that, that's what I do daily. That is the best job description <laughs> ever, is. man. That is just so awesome. Uh, I love it. 
John, John is really one of the aspirational hearts of the brand. Um, John really brings, uh, brings that, that play value and that level of detail and just, um, just how, how that item is going to be played with by kids is John's like one of John's passions. And that's what I really love about him. Uh, one thing that he said that I did want to expand on really quick is the cohesion across the brand, right? So yeah, we're taking vehicles that come from all different areas of Star Wars media, um, from comic books to uh, television, from animated, from live action, from the films, um, from some stuff that's you know not even actually out yet. And what John does is John actually makes sure that we have a cohesive line in terms of level of detail. So adding detail to those animated, uh, those animated aesthetics that are maybe a little overly smooth, making sure that we have all the correct panel lines and bolts and details and stuff like that. And that's what really makes this line kind of sing together as opposed to being a kind of sum of disparate parts. So yeah, a, a plus on that, man. Uh, and then, of course, moving to uh, Glenn Yu. Glenn, you want to give us a summation of what you do, my friend? Sure, absolutely. Hi, uh, my name's Glenn Yu. I'm Senior Director of Product Development, and I overwatch a couple of different brands. And then uh, my team and I love Star Wars teams. So what we do is actually at the very beginning of the project, we're scouting out the factories that is capable of producing these uh, challenging lines. By that, I mean we are asking for the highest details, and then uh, uh, the durability of the plastic choices, all that. And then from there, we will walk out a uh, work out a schedule and make sure everything at every milestone is uh, on time. And then this is actually to ensure our shipping days. So we act as a conduit before design, trying to bring their beautiful design and then into reality and not losing any details. And also, of course, to really, you know, please our fans, including myself, um, I do have a little design background and I, I, I understand how hard it is to really reveal all those designs and into reality. And I want to make sure that it's actually delivered. So, uh, you know, it's an honor to work on this brand and it's a really, really a fun journey for me. Thank you. And one of the great things about Glenn is that, you know, again, he he's he's what makes the design teams work a reality. Um, without Glenn, without our, our fantastic counterparts in Asia, um, we would not be able to actually have the line that we do because, you know, it, it's all about making sure that we can translate those amazing designs into plastic, into something that's manufacturable at a cost that does make sense and allows us to move forward with it. So yeah, Glenn, Glenn is kind of the magician that makes everything that John and the team creates possible. Um, and uh, you know, I, what I will say, and I will plug here is that Glenn also has an incredible pedigree in the toy industry uh, since I believe you said 1995 earlier, Glenn. Yeah, that's um, right. And and he's worked on he's worked on multiple Star Wars items in the past as well, and so he brings that level of understanding and that level of knowledge and passion to Micro Galaxy Squadron as well. And of course, John is a massive Star Wars fan, uh, as you will no doubt uh, really understand through the length of our conversation together tonight. And so, how does John and Glenn work together? Does John design the toys, and then it'll go to Glenn, and Glenn says uh, this is actually going to be slightly too expensive. So then it goes back to John, and John has to scale it down a little bit. Or how does that work? So yes. Um, go ahead, Glenn. Sorry, take that. Oh, sorry. So uh, every time we receive a design package from uh, designs, um, you know, we're gonna we have to fat it through. Uh, it's it's a beautiful work from design and it usually sometimes sometimes up to 40 pages long so we go through every details and make sure 
manufacturer-wise, uh, we can do it within the cost and the budget that we have. And then, uh, uh, so it's from there, we we try to maintain everything, you know, because in highly decoded, highly detailed parts are all having slicing tooling. So uh, we we don't want to bring down anything of those, but of course, uh, we have to stay and maintain the budget. So we did our best to bring uh, their beautiful design to reality. So there's some back and forth and, uh, you know, we all try to maintain the best of the results. Yeah. So one of, one of the things to add to that too is, uh, you know, Jazzwares as a company has been an incredible supporter of the brand. Um, they've, they've really afforded us a lot of amazing opportunities, one of which is spring for precision tooling. Um, precision tooling is really what makes that fine level of detail and everything that you see in the line possible. And, uh, you know, Glenn, you touched on that a second ago. Can you, can you give us an overview as to what precision tooling is and go into like kind of a description of what those slides are? Yes, absolutely. So a, a very clear comparison is that if you go out there in the market to buy those uh, uh, hobby grade uh, models, right? You know, those tanks from Tamiya, those brands, if you buy those things, you will notice the detail level is very, very high. You know, if when you apply, say, a wash over it, you will see all this detail revealing. And that is the same thing that we produce our lines. And it's not an average tooling for the toys out there, but it's actually more high end that allow the tool to capture all the details. And then not to mention the slide, the number of slides that we use on these toys are amazing because, you know, every time when I look at our product and I look at my own collection of model kits, they're identical. They're identical. And then they're more durable, to be honest, because, you know, you're allowed to hold it in your hand. We go through an extensive abuse tests, all that to make sure they are intact, you know, they are, they can survive, you know, with drop tests, twist tests, all kinds of tests you can imagine. So it's actually beyond uh, the average model kit. So uh, I'm very proud of this line, you know, for that quality level that, yeah. So Glenn, what, so uh, again, uh, um, a tool itself is a large, is a large metal, uh, metal, yes. It's a it's a giant hunk of steel essentially where we carve out what we're going to inject with plastic and that's where the tool the plastic is injected in that's what we eject the actual product from. Glenn, what are right. what are slides exactly in terms of those tools and what do they do? So imagine um, you know we all use you know uh, ice cube maker right. So the, if you notice that you have a, a very wide angle of the container. So basically that is your injection molding tool. It's just that that is not injection molding. But the thing is that if you have start to have something that's negative in shape of the ice cube, you, you no longer can use that simple tool to make that. So instead what we call slice, it has a two side panels that coming into the mold that has negativities in cavities inside the plate, right? A steel piece of, you know, still a steel piece of, uh, uh, a piece of steel, right? So once you do that, the slide will slide open, allows that piece of plastic to come out. So that's how we capture all different shapes. If you don't do that, then anything that is negative requires a separate you know, piece of parts. And then you, eventually you have to assemble them together. So our toys is not a model case. So for all those details, we use slides. And usually that's a very, uh, that's more expensive. And then you don't usually see that up um, apply on a lot of average toys so you will see a lot of steps instead that instead of uh, the real 3d uh, three-dimensional details but for star wars we use a lot of slides to capture all those wonderful details yeah so why why 
use the precision molding and all those slides because Why? the you know the slides you know imagine two or, or actually four pieces of uh, steels they really need to synchronize in a time when they come together form a cavity in there plastic will inject to it and after that's cool off they need to open up by numbers you cannot open up with the wrong piece first and this otherwise the piece inside there will, will jam or be uh, broken mm -hmm. so all these things is require a high engineer design on the tooling to really pull those things aside by sequence and then you are not we, we cannot allow any plastic to seep through any gaps between two pieces of steel so it absolutely has to be airtight so that's why if you see our product um you don't see when the two pieces of steel coming together you don't see a very large piece of flash going on you don't because mm -hmm. that's high precision that's very high precision that's something that you will use to create your sometimes your 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 uh cell phone cases or you know all those kind of housings that's high precision yeah and the reason we do that is because we want to have that we want to have something as close to an actual movie model as possible. Our goal with this line is is playability, yes, but it's also authenticity and really bringing some of the most authentic Star Wars vehicles to market that have really ever been created. And that yeah. again, that starts with the design team too. Uh, so John, John and his team, who uh, you know I'll name here. Uh, we've got, uh, we've got. Uh, Dion Fields, who's our design director, I believe, correct? Um, we've got uh, David Rojas, who's our design manager. Um, John, you're our staff designer. We've also got Gihoon, uh, Leon, and um, uh, the last guy's name, excuse Tommy. me for a second. Tommy, Tommy, that's right. How can I forget Tommy? It's been a long day. Um, but yeah, so when you see the vehicles on the shows, right, you know, uh, Jason, Glenn, like you're, you're looking at these vehicles and you're thinking, oh man, like uh, there's so many small parts. There's so many thin parts in there. That's what John, correct me if I'm wrong. That's what you look at and you're like, all right, well, how are we going to translate in there? Oh, cool. You know, the wings fold up on that V19 torrent. Like, how are we actually going to create that in toy form? And so John, what, what do you do in order to translate those and make them look so successfully and so, so successful and so realistic from what's, what's uh what's on screen well like the here's the v19 prototype that's coming out and it's figuring out how to capture it's more than the detail the designers that made these you know there's magic in them right there, there's some something that is so subtle you don't read but it it makes them makes you feel joy and that's what I is, is the magic and it's that extra level of detail that you you pick up with your subconscious you see the main detail but then there's like this little this little bump on here mm -hmm. that is imperceptible you don't really your, your your conscious is not reading it but your subconscious is reading it and that gives it that extra level and creates that magic and that uh, feeling of joy that you get by uh, interacting with these toys. And like like this one is from the animated show. So it was just very, very simply designed. And so uh, my goal was to create this where it looked like it belonged in our world. 
like it was manufactured maybe by the same company that made the X-Wings. So uh, the, the, the subtle paneling on the wing, I studied the X-Wing studio models carefully. I didn't copy it, but I made it in the same family. So it those shapes and those lines and where I put a little recess and where I put a little height bump on each wing, it, I spent a lot of time thinking about it and figuring out how I how I could do that to add that level of of magic to it. And then when you get to the cockpit, you open it up, and it's at as much detail as possible. So yeah. about my camera. So when you open it up, you get that wonderful surprise, like, oh, my gosh, it's like opening a jewelry box or a treasure box. Look yeah. at all that wonderful stuff in there. And it just really triggers your imagination. Yeah. And then one more point here about yes. the details. So talking about high precision tooling, one of the things that we're very proud of is the detail level we can capture. So by that, we can capture any width of a plastic that is around 0.2 millimeters. So if you think about it, that is super small. Then yeah. You, yeah, that carpet details is exactly the result of high precision tooling. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. another subtle thing we put in that 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 adds to the magic is is I don't know if you can hear this, but listen, there's a click in there. And that adds what we call in toy industry a delight factor and a feeling of precision which which is in there and so you're getting this delight factor like oh yeah listen to that it's just so fun to it makes it even more fun but it's that subliminal little triggers uh to uh trigger happiness and and joy and so that that's what we're little things like that yeah that that's what we try to put into ours we it's we really overthink everything it's, it's it's really it's really about and like that that magic is you feel like you're holding the real starship in your hand mm -hmm. and you're able to kind of uh, here's a great great anecdote from celebration we actually had a visually impaired gentleman come by our booth and he came up to us and he said thank you for making the millennium falcon and we're like well, well you're you're welcome and he goes i've never been able to see the falcon but by opening up your Millennium Falcon, I can actually go in and I can find out where the crew quarters are, where the Dejeric table is in relation to the front of the ship. And that that really speaks so much to what you were saying, John, about that magic, about capturing that authenticity, making it feel like it's real in hand. And then also, like you were saying, the clicks. Um, when you have the uh, Imperial shuttle in your hands and you actually open up the wings, it's they're ratcheted and they're actually tied together too. So you actually get that that very tactile and very satisfying and very joy-inducing clicking feeling where it feels one super high precision high quality um but also just it, it unlocks your kind of child brain where you go oh man i just want to whoosh this around now <laughs> and, it, like, and exactly <laughs> we we've had so many people kind of have themselves revert back to childhood by just holding our toys and you saw them in the booth in the play space right where mm -hmm. you have grown adults going like yeah yeah they're just flying <laughs> it around yeah 
like it was it was really it was really awesome and and kind of affirming and john glenn i don't know if you were the same but the first time i picked up our millennium falcon i was transported back to when i was nine years old again and i was like yes this this is this is this is what it's like to be a kid again and i can't believe we were able to capture that with this line but we've done so and thanks to the talented people like john his team glenn his team who i i forget the name uh but i'll do so in a second like we've been able to do that on a consistent basis across four series now in production so yeah glenn glenn works with a fantastic roster of individuals including kevin ellis um who just joined the team adam santa uh, I've told this story yesterday on a podcast. I'm going to tell it again. Adam Santa is the quintessential mountain man, but he is also a <laughs> genius when it comes to product development. And when I say quintessential mountain man, he talks like this. He's, uh, he's a little bit gruff in his demeanor. He's got the fullest, most beautiful beard. Uh, Glenn, Mr. Williams, no, no insult to you or, or Jason um, that you have ever seen. And he's also an avid mountain biker. So Adam, uh, who unfortunately couldn't join us tonight, uh, although I know he did want to, he uh, he was BMX biking in California where he lives. Um, he is BMXing on the side of a, uh, a a narrow path where there is a drop off on the mountain to his left. All of a sudden around the bend comes, no lie, a gigantic black bear. Oh, the geez. black bear is charging in his direction. And do you know what happened when it saw Adam? <laughs> I can guess. <laughs> it decided it to go and just tumble off the side of the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> so that tells you what Adam's like. And then we also have Jessica. Jessica is um aside from Glenn, uh, and aside possibly from Kevin, uh, one of the biggest Star Wars nerds and one of the biggest fans of our line in general. Uh, she comes to us with so many fantastic ideas for vehicles. Her personal favorite that she has presented at no less than five meetings is, of course, the um, the Naboo. Na- what is it? The Naboo. Um, it's like a boat from Naboo that Anakin and Padme oh, yeah. Um <laughs> Where it's like just a, a catamaran, essentially. Yep. Um, but yeah, so that's Glenn's team and they're they're just absolutely you could definitely tell there's some love in this line because when we were in anaheim when we first met you max you had the millennium falcon there and you're like check this out there's an easter egg and you would start pressing the buttons and you would hear it crash and when i heard that i'm like this is not just a company that wants to make star wars toys they care and they want to do the best and they want to do what they would want to see as fans so yeah absolutely appreciate that we're trying to make the best star wars toys that have been made and i i think we're doing it it's just mm-hmm. they're they're i was so uh lucky to get on this team mm-hmm. and it, it it's it's a perfect time there's never going to be another time like this for star wars content it's just rolling out has some great quality um this toy line we're trying to match that um and it, it's just it's just a, a great time for for Star Wars. It hasn't been a time like this. No, it's, it's also so fun. 
It's also a very interesting time in that you're also seeing the convergence of multiple generations of Star Wars fans at once. Mm-hmm. You have fans who grew up with the original trilogy when they saw it in theaters. You have fans like me who grew up uh, really seeing the special edition, the prequels in theaters. You have the fans who actually uh, were big Clone Wars fans who are now kind of coming of, of prime buying age or kind of having those 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 top income earning years right now. Then you have fans of Rebels, then the sequel trilogy, and now the new Disney Plus content. There are so many different generations of fandom, and they're all kind of colliding with each other. And they're across various different age segments. And what we wanted to do with this line is, again, that scale, that 196, uh, you know, eight feet of real space equals one inch of toy space, um, that authenticity, that playability. And you know what, John? Like, I'm going to add that to our, our marketing decks going forward because, yes, the joy like mm-hmm. the joy is palpable and the joy is visceral when you're playing with the line. Like uh, Glenn, Jason, like I know that you guys are fans of the line. I, I, you know, I don't know if you guys get the same visceral sense of enjoyment and fun that you have when you actually pick up and play with the vehicles. Like, uh, here's an example, right? We did our reveal of the N1 Starfighter yesterday. Yeah. Um, and so I had to take my one sample home with me. Um, as a, as a sidebar, we, uh, you know, we we had that vehicle at Celebration and uh, we had a um, reveal lined up with uh, John Favreau and uh, Dave Filoni. And yeah. we were able to get, get them samples of the N1 Starfighter early. They enjoyed them so much they took them home with them. <laughs> so awesome. uh, that, that just shows you how much the product really has resonated. But I'm driving my car home. And I have the N1 in one hand. I have the steering wheel in the other. And as I'm turning the car, I'm also turning the N1. And it, it, was, just, it was something I've never done as, as an adult, excuse me. But it was so fun and just so enjoyable. And, like, of course I was making the sounds. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, it just just simply amazing. And, honestly, it's, it's paid off because uh, – I have some news that this is probably an exclusive reveal for you guys. Right now, um, our pre-order for uh, the N1 Starfighter, the Mandalorian's N1 Starfighter, went live this morning at 12 p.m. Uh, Eastern, 9 Pacific. It sold 1,000 units in the first 15 minutes, which is wow. wow. And wow. we sold through the initial 3,000 uh, 3, piece pre-order allotment um, within about six hours. Wow. Um which Congratulations. is yes. phenomenal. It's twice the amount that we've put up for pre-order uh, to date. But what's also great is that we are currently hold the number two spot on Amazon for all of toys and games, which is absolutely phenomenal. That is John, awesome. Man, like, give yourselves a hand. That's man. incredible. Like, like, I uh, ordered two. One to open, one to keep closed. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> At at 1201, I was refreshing my Amazon going, where's it at? Where's it at? (laughs) Yeah. uh, By the way, there's one thing I'd like to mention. Uh, Perhaps it's been overlooked or talked about already. But have you noticed that the weathering effect on our product is phenomenal? Yeah. I've not remembered what toy in the past uh, has been applied so much washing effect over it, weathering effect. And in fact, you know, the first time when I see the Star Wars movies, what shocked me is that all these spaceships look real. The reason they look real is because they look old, being used and damaged here and repair all that, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Our our product reflects that 
honestly. So I think that is a major thing that we achieve. One of the major things that we achieve is make these looks used just like the movie. I think that's a, that's a very cool stuff to have. Yeah, and I've noticed you've really fine-tuned it as it's gone forward. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yes. John, can you speak to that? Like, speak to, like, how we've been able to really fine-tune that weathering. You know, in the initial waves, it was pretty heavy, but we've actually been able to kind of get it even more precise as time goes on. Yeah, it was heavy, and also we've been playing with the color yeah. every way. We've been tweaking, well, let's try yeah. You know, I mean, small adjustments in the color of the wash. And we're really picky about the wipe off. You know, they dip it and then they, they physically wipe it off. And sometimes it's too heavy and sometimes too light. But uh, we really, really pay attention to that because that that unifies the whole ship mm -hmm. and really brings out all those scribe lines and little bumps and little details uh just like the original ilm models you know had all that wonderful wash there, there's were more exaggerated uh the studio models because the filming uh process wasn't as sensitive as it is today so they're extra heavy and so but we're like uh washing ours like they look in the entertainment in the movie in the final in the final piece if you look at star wars behind the scenes of the original stuff yeah. they're heavily heavily washed well, way more than you think but on screen um they look like ours yeah and, and we yeah. we work very hard on that uh, john i'm a little curious about your process so you get a ship like that and that's an animated ship how do you go from Having to design that or, or getting that ship and designing it, do you sketch it out? You you mentioned you studied X-Wing wings to kind of use as inspiration. So what is that like? Right. Well, I will receive a reference from Lucas, um, which was stills from the Clone Wars, the 2D animated cartoon show, which I love. Yeah. <laughs> That's my phenomenal. favorite. It's yeah. Phenomenal storytelling. Um so I, I got that. And then I also have to adjust the proportions because it's stylized and cartoony and a little more chunky than reality. And so from there, I, I do do some sketches, but then I go right into kind of creating blueprints and I'm adjusting those blueprints and, and, uh, sharing them with the team it's not just me the entire team has input on everything and we have some great minds and some great eyes that catch all this detail one person couldn't you know i i couldn't take one all the way through there's there's so much stuff i i know like this person gihun will see these mistakes or these adjustments to do um dion will see these um, Tommy will see these, Leon will see these, David will see these. And so it's being attacked from multiple, multiple levels, but I have to bring it into that reality. That is our style to fit the X wings. And, and like I said, I, I studied the wings and I imagined what, you know, I imagined the factory line of X wings going here 
and the V19s going here. Awesome. Again, not copying each other, but they're made in the same factory in the same universe. Um, and then I work with Lucas uh, very closely. We have we have several meetings a week, and we're showing him our progress, and they're giving their input. And so there's so many levels up. I have all these brains and eyes looking at it and cross-checking everything. Um, and it really focuses it down in, into where we are. And then our deco, no what no toy line has has these many paint ops in deco yeah. hits as ours does, along with the wash. And those are very precise also. We we plan those out very careful. And the color will adjust this color. Oh, yeah five or six times to look. I can't just copy what they do in the entertainment because that might be too bright, but to bring it into scale, I'll have to mute it down a little bit to look like it's in scale. So it's not a bright red on here, right? If I did a bright red, it will, it would look out of scale. I also mm -hmm. have to scale the color palette down to make sure it, it reads correctly. And, and that takes, all of our eyes on the team you know everything is a huge team effort and and john that's so well said and like the other piece of that is that you know glenn glenn's job is really to get this product to market by our ship date and glenn and and the pd team are such great partners in ensuring that we we can get all these details that we can make all these changes that we can get everything as perfect as absolutely possible you know on on a lesser line or if you had people working on this who really didn't have that level of love that level of like attention to detail it would be very much a okay we we have to ship this by this date like this this is as good as it's gonna this is this is the first pass this is good just submit it we go through it with all these different eyes like john was saying all these different team members from every single step of the process and glenn and his team offer like honestly unparalleled support to make sure that we can make those changes and working we with our couldn't do anything without them helping yeah. us we're we're Thank all you. there yeah it's so a, it's a very fun line to work down um Sorry. So uh, from my side, um, we, we want to make sure we deliver every details and then we want to push the factories, really push their boundaries. And that is why I was mentioning a 0.2 mm is the smallest that a machine can ever catch. And beyond that, you will really have to go to a photo etching process, which is very, very high end. And we just one step below that. But the thing is, we are many steps above other you know, products you know, in the market. So uh, I'm very proud of this line. And at the same time, you know, I'm kind of a, some people told me I'm the hybrid because I'll have a design background. So I want to make sure, hey, this is my time to really make sure those designs didn't get loose. And then we honestly deliver everything. And also thanks to our China counterparts, they are very, very honestly working hard with us and then push the factory, a factory, you know, with all, you know, all great uh, thankfulness to the factories that are willing to step forward and meet the challenges, deliver a wonderful product line, and they keep on doing the things that amaze all of us. Yeah. And, and back to the per, per, your question. Yeah. Um, after I create 
the blueprints and I create a document and maybe 50 pages long with every detail, how many degrees this is. John, 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 just first of all, like, how, so this, the document he's talking about is called our product data sheet. I, I, I'm interrupting only because of how incredible this is for the line and something that I've never seen this level of detail and this level of thought put into something like this in my time in the industry. Your usual, your product data sheet is really your your Bible, so to speak, for the um, you know, your your Bible of the product itself. It gives you every single aspect of the product, from um, packaging type, from colors used, from the deco, from how we want the um, the uh, the clear translucent cockpit to look, um, angles of the vehicle, etc. That we use, you know, in order to develop the item. Now. On the average brand, John, I would say that's probably what five to seven pages long. Seven, yeah, wow. seven is a nice long one. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, ours are forty to fifty pages yeah. long each, and that's 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 because. And John, I'll let you get into it, but like it's stuff like the deco is so precise, the level of weathering is precise, and then also the texture of the vehicle itself is taken into account. So, so John, go go ahead. I'm sorry I didn't drop Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. and uh, that document's going to have, like, the blueprints I created, then the dims, the dimensions of everything, um, then all the paint ops and the colors, exact, precise colors, call-outs of everything, the tampoing, another page for the tampoing. And like I said, another page for the texturing, another page for the wash and what color is that wash? How heavy? Where's it going to go? The cockpit, how, how many degrees is going to open? It needs to have a detent close, detent open. It needs to have that snap, that, that delight factor, right? Um, landing gear, what degrees are those going to open and where are they? And then what's the detail inside the landing beer, uh, landing bay bays that doesn't exist so we have to make something up that looks like it belongs on that ship for that culture that made it like the the geonosian detail yes. i i made completely different than wow. what would uh wow. the look at look at the, i'm sorry look at this United thing States. look at this thing nobody got a good enough look at this at celebration it the deco is so beautiful on this that it 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 sells it like i've never seen an item where the paint just sells the item this much besides possibly sabine wren's masterpiece type looks like it's got a nice little shine to it too it does it looks like a copper penny it looks like a copper yes. penny that has several different ages mm -hmm. on it it's yeah. amazing great nice. in detail and then yeah. and it's like the same thing when you open it up it's kind of like a, a jewelry box surprise. Wow. wow. Oh, God. <laughs> Look at that. Tons of detail. It's gorgeous. And I had to yeah. blueprint all that, every wow. little bump and knob and notch, the floor texture, the pipes on the floor, the seat texture. Wow. Um, everything's going to go into that document. And then then we have the. Way, by the way, Gian Ocean Starfighter? Our, our Geonosian Starfighter, the first Geonosian Starfighter in figure scale in 21 years. Wow. wow. Oh, it's, it's been it's forgotten. 
Go ahead, John. John, I'm sorry to interrupt. No problem. So, I love, I love I, like, by the way, by the way, bringing you two together, John and Glenn, absolute magic. Like, this is, this yeah. is, I'm this so is awesome. proud of myself. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, it's Star Wars. I can't help yeah. myself. I, yeah. I, I was, yeah, I'll, I'll finish the doc. Uh, talking about. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, no, sorry, no, I start no, going no, off on a tangent. No. Star Wars. Um, so, we we create the landing gear, how it's going to open, close, snap, um, the angle, the rake of the ship, how it's going to sit. And go, oh, I want it to angle up a little more. I want to angle down. It looks wow. a little cooler that way. Um, all the way into, then I got to make sure it fits in the package. <laughs> it's not too big, right? Uh, we have a set package size. So I have to modify some things and make sure it's going to fit in package. Then design the figures, all the same callouts for the figure, the size, the texture, the articulation, how it interacts with the ship, all the deco um, and the textures and the wash. And and it just goes on. You get a pretty long document, but we we have 40 pages, nothing <laughs> to chance that we, we between Glenn's team, Jessica and Adam and Glenn, and then our entire team, just staring at that document, looking for any holes in it once it's done. Um, and and that's the process. And from there, we uh, have a 3D sculpt created. And that 3D sculpt, then I do screen captures of that from all all angles and the wing i go well we need to move this line here and adjust this here and that'll go on for a, a long time until we all agree it's perfect and then we'll show it to lucas and get uh their feedback and then get their changes and then we get uh, approval and then once our vehicle is approved um then we start moving into a physical model this is a tooling model Oh, it's nice. a 3D print, and this is what the tool is going to be made out of, exact. Um, so is, is that resin? Because I think there's another way to 3D print that costs, what, thousands of dollars? Did I hear, Max, you talking about this? This is, yeah, Glenn, this is for, like, samples yeah, and stuff like that. Like, uh, like literally, the the other object that John showed you, the Geonosian Starfighter, I believe that's a, a print, correct, Glenn? That, that's yeah. a model. Is that, is that a tooling or a deco model, John? Yeah, this is a painted tooling model. Oh, okay. So that's before before tooling, before production. Yeah. Before wow. production. It, yeah. it used to look like this, a gray model. And right. we, we had it painted too. Oh, yeah. Uh, By the way, we're exclusively revealing that this is the Paint Your Own Thai Bomber series nice. that we're doing. So, um, <laughs> yeah, paint is sold separately. Um I've always wanted a pink tie bomber, and now I can have that come that's, true. Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, that's I know, kidding. I know. I'm going to put some flames yeah. on mine. Then from this study model, then we could really study the engineering. And like, notice how one of the wings is slightly askew right now and falling yeah. off. Like, we would fix that. Yeah, we're like, I didn't want to hey. say anything. I was like, it, it's gorgeous. A little parallel, Or, you know, hey, this hatch is a little hard to open. You know the inside. Oh my god! Show off, show off the inside, uh, or maybe we can wait until later. But like the cockpit on the Thai bomber is my favorite. It is, it is just an absolute work of art. Uh, 
let's see. There you go. Yeah, so I see the see detailing the on the cedar. top of it. Wow. Right. Top of and the hatch. This. Yeah. Uh, first, for, oh sorry, my God! First yeah, wow. tie bomber ever. Um, with the actual bombing mechanism in the back, just just and, uh, like a little yeah, flex it's a there. Sorry. <laughs> it's a pilot and a bomber, and you can really see through the windshield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. wow. Um, oh, but wait, there's more. <laughs> wait, there's more. Then this side, we have the bombs and the missiles in the bomb bay. I don't know if we can get some light in there. But it's filled with missiles and bombs, all screen accurate. Man. Well, this this is really this ship is so famous, but it was only in the Empire Strikes Back for like a two seconds at the most. Yeah, yeah right, but it right? made made but, a comeback in the Mandalorian. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So uh, recreate the siege of Mandalore. What they yeah. do? <laughs> Kill all the Mandalorians. <laughs> you too can steal the dark saber <laughs> <laughs> right and so from that tooling model and then then we could make uh our comments another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. To uh, the factory on what we need to make final adjustments before they cut steel. Mm-hmm. Right, Blake? Yes. Yes. Because holy cow, it better be perfect before you cut steel. Because otherwise, like you Ooh. see, Glenn, Glenn, Glenn is super calm and super chill now. If we cut steel <laughs> and we move to tool, and then we need to change something. Glenn, Glenn, yeah. will, Glenn will put the hammer down. <laughs> it's got to be perfect. <laughs> um, and then once they cut the steel, then they're gonna pop out some first shots in some weird color, and then yeah. we really check the. Um, all the functions again make the final chance for any changes and then the final step will be something like this gorgeous yeah gorgeous. Beautiful. And the best thing is that glenn glenn and the team are so understanding and so passionate that when we do need to make changes after the item has come to tool like if they're you know within reason not changing anything super huge that add to the playability and make the product as quality as possible like we can make those changes and Glenn and team really right. help us affect those changes and make sure they get done. And that's, right. that's like, that's another step beyond what you usually see with toy lines, right? Like we want to make sure these are the most playable, fun, entertaining toys that are of just unparalleled quality. And also to, to, to just draw something to the tie bombers attention. Um, the bombs are actually painted a beautiful metallic red so that they really pop out when you actually look at them. Nice. And yeah. we had to change that red like two or three times. We we got a one red, and I oh that that's not the that's not a that's not a good red. It looks too too light. And we got another red. No, that's not it. And then bam, we hit this perfect metallic color, Very and then we all agree to go that that's it. That that is cool. That's cool because we have a lot of responsibility to all the fans and and the kids mm-hmm. to to do our absolute best work and. Yeah. 
and we take it very serious. We have fun, but work really hard, but we take it really seriously. Yeah, we got it. Trying to make the best best line possible. All those micro galaxians out there, and again, I'm going (laughs) to keep using that word until it catches on. Uh, All those micro galaxians (laughs) out there are really kind of relying on us and like really looking to us for what's next. And and that's kind of a segue into the other really cool thing here is uh, tempo printing and what we've been able to achieve in series one versus series three, series four. If you uh, if you guys have that type that Tie Fighter from Wave One or Series One, mm-hmm. you notice that he's got a little black dot on his helmet for the Imperial insignia, Island. right? That's because at that point we weren't able to actually tampo print the um, the Imperial cog onto the helmet. Yeah, yeah, yep, on the left and the right side, right above his face. Yeah, yeah. If you look at our, uh, if you look at our ATAT pilot, and you look at our tie pilots going forward. We actually have been able to now tampo print that onto the helmet, and that's wow. because of how closely we're working with our factories and how much we refine as we go along. Again, like Glenn, Glenn, John, the design team, our packaging team, who we one hundred percent shout a little bit later, like they are never done. Like they're never happy with the overall final product. We are always evolving the line. We're always taking it that next step forward, next step forward, next step forward, because we realize that we have something truly special on our hands here. And we want to make sure that we execute against that as best as possible. Yeah. It gets better and better and better every wave. I'm like, how are we going to make it better? (laughs) But, but it would, we, it is. Yeah, to that to that point, and maybe this is a question for Max. You know, you've got the precision tooling, you've got the uh, the enhancements to the paint applications. You you keep revising things. It sounds like you're investing more and more. How in the world with inflation are you dropping prices in a couple months? Is that something you could talk about, or is it just innovation? It's just because you know we do like. I'm a collector. You're a collector. Glenn's a collector. John's a collector. Glenn Williams is also a collector, I assume. Yeah. Uh, Just a little bit. <laughs> uh, I, I've i had to drop so many of the toy lines that I've collected for years at this point because of the essentially the rising costs and the rising inflation. What was $15 10 years ago is now, you know, was... $20 uh, in 2020. In 2021, uh, 2299 2022 2499 now 2799 I can't I can't afford that yeah and one of the things that we want to do with this line to start with is we want to encourage what we call fleet building or squadron building right it's micro galaxy squadron we don't want you to just pick up one tie fighter we want you to pick up an entire wing of tie fighters we want you to get as many as you possibly can to create those epic battles right it's so much more fun when you have so many of these vehicles like all of us have wanted to build rogue squadron all of us have wanted to have like a battle of geonosis that has like 20 gunships and before that would have cost you thousands and thousands of dollars and i like not one of us has that disposable income so you know when we when we were kind of looking at the line, we wanted to make sure that we had the correct price points. And what we've seen as we go along is that, you know what? 
we need to combat that. We need to we need to combat those rising co- those rising prices across the board from you know in, in the toy aisle, and we want to make sure that people are able to afford that squadron building mechanic. And it's with again, this is in where Glenn is instrumental, and where Jazzwares management is instrumental as well. Like our sales team is second to none. Glenn and his PD team are second to none. They work with our factories. They get the best possible pricing, and we pass that value on to the consumer. And then also, of course, our sales team who work to right size those price points um, and make sure that we actually have something that is going to be as impactful as possible at retail. And that's how we're able to kind of lower those MSRPs from five ninety nine to four ninety nine for the Scout, from twelve ninety nine to nine ninety nine for the Light Armor class, from sixteen ninety nine to fourteen ninety nine for the starfighter class and it's again uh not it's still a little tbd as to when those price decreases will actually come into effect we are looking at fall 23 but it could be spring 24 before you see those across the board and again these are msrps right it's manufacturer suggested retail price so that means that that's what we're suggesting to the retailers it's up to them to set the price point at retail that works best for them right but again just um just really is it we we do it for the fans we do it for you guys we do it for kids i got like, ourselves <laughs> man we're not supposed to say we do it for ourselves come on man because we want to collect these exactly. right we don't persuade ourselves to collect how can we persuade others to buy them right so i mean the first person to please all of us here exactly what would i want to buy that's what i would want to buy i'm gonna make it's, that yep yep and I, I like I love that four ninety nine sweet spot for the scouts. I mean, that's how incredible! Cool is that that's just it's such a and that really is our army building skew, right? Like mm-hmm. we, you know, we're working on ways to get um, ships out there again, like especially like really popular ones that include army builders like the stormtrooper uh, with the e web cannon or the bark speeder with clone trooper. I mean, we're working on ways to get those back into the line to make sure that you can army build them as much as possible. Oh man, which one is oh Rex. that's Captain Rex, oh, yeah. Rex. Wow. on the bark speeder? That yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Glenn and I have talked about this before. It's an incredible value for for having a vehicle like this. And the yeah, fact that's awesome. I love that one. My wife collects Ewoks. I gotta get her that one. <laughs> Paplu on the speeder bike with yeah. the explosive. Oh, so, wait, all right. Right. so that that is really own story. Uh so Tim Bungaroff and I oh, there you go. Um, Tim <laughs> Tim's Ewok my friend wings. from college. He's a copywriter on the line. And when we first when when Jazzwares first got the license for Star Wars, like I wanted to come up with every vehicle I could think of for Star Wars. And we wanted to throw in a few that we thought we could never ever get done, right? Because mm-hmm. either either they're a little too weird, they're a little too bizarre, they're a little too out there. And one of them that was on the list was Paplu on a flaming speeder bike. <laughs> and so and so we were like, we're like, all right, that's probably never gonna get passed. We put it in as a chase variant, hoping that, you know, okay, it's limited, not many people are gonna be able to get it. Like that's that's our way in here. And Lucasfilm was all aboard with it. Our our, awesome. our collaborators at Lucasfilm are just so wonderful in every possible respect. I can't I can't gush about them enough. They're amazing. Um, Chris Dern, who helped us with the line from the launch, uh, Lawrence, 
um, Cruz and uh, Chris Gulliher, who are currently helping us with the line and currently collaborating with us, they put aside so much time to make sure that we can get these vehicles as best as possible. They provide the best recommendations for upcoming vehicles from content that we can't reveal because we're under NDA. So please don't ask about it. Um, Oh, bringing like, that up. Can I ask about? No, I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you, thank you. Because I would just get deathly silent. No, at no, that no, point. no, no. <laughs> John There's this show John coming up at the end of the year. <laughs> what do you have prepared for Skeleton Crew, sir? Oh, <laughs> I don't even know anything about Skeleton Crew. I don't know what you're talking about, sir. Uh-huh. All, All right. I know is Jude Law's in it. <laughs> well, I do. Like- I do have a just a question while we're on like army building and stuff. Yeah. We Jason and I were talking today and we've never got like an OG Boba Fett. Is there plans or can you say maybe or you know, because only Boba such, we did such a like Tim Tim and I on our panel at Celebration did such a bad job at trying to pantomime a skit where we revealed <laughs> how we're doing Boba Fett. Uh-huh. Um it's not something so when I when we talk about things, when we reveal things, when we even discuss things openly, we always want to make sure that we at least have a um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, we at least have a level of um, comfortability. Comfortability. <laughs> we feel comfortable. <laughs> I I did this yesterday. I did this yesterday on on that reveal call, and I, I said I said my words don't work good right now, or something like that. And somebody <laughs> quoted that in the comments, and like this is exactly what you want to hear from your brand manager. <laughs> um, we want to have a level of of being comfortable that an item has been picked up or selected by a retailer, and that we're actually moving forward with um, production before we reveal it. Mm-hmm. That way, you know, fans don't become disappointed if something doesn't come out. Gotcha. So we are developing um, the desert skiff, as you saw at Celebration. Um, and uh, John, do you have that one with you? The I'm very excited one? about that one. I don't. I don't. Yeah. So um, I'm just going to go ahead and share a screen again and just um, showcase. <laughs> I'm just going to pull up the actual uh, render of the vehicle that um, our team was so generous to provide. You can see my screen okay, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to close all my to-dos and all my other weird things. What's that one ship in the corner? No. No! <laughs> Smuggler's Galaxy podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, so this is this is the skiff. Um, now, we have uh, the Battle Pack class, which is a new one that we're working on uh, as a retailer exclusive. And you saw this drop in New Zealand first um, with the uh, the Pod Racer 2-pack. Um, we are planning a second one that would include a two desert skiffs um, to represent uh, an iconic uh, moment from Return of the Jedi. This would be a Spring 24 item if it does get selected. But, I mean... You know, there's that there's that Boba Fett Boba Fett wear sequence that I would just love to re recreate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, yes, could, could potentially Boba be Fett. In development. Amazing. A little higher, a little have, higher. And we already have blonde, 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 blind Han Solo here. So I mean, Boba Fett would make a whole lot of sense. Right, John? Can you walk us through the features on this thing again? Because oh my god, the features on this That's thing are gorgeous. Oh yeah, the, this one Gihun was the lead designer on on the skiff. the The center part 
which is like the engine bay, the hood opens up. Oh my God. It, and there's <laughs> incredible detail on the inside. These side uh, guidance fins on the side, those move. Um, it holds, it has little seat clips on the sides to hold the figures we have for the pilot for Han Solo. The side railing on one side folds down. The the walk the plank plank slides out. Nice. Um, it, it's, it's this thing's gorgeous. When you I see feel like that meme gorgeous. right now. Shut up and take my money. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. But gorgeous. you say that every time they release a new uh, ship, man. Yeah. But wait, there's more. Uh, <laughs> it also comes with a display stand that yes. actually nice. on, is it is it ball jointed? I always forget. Yeah. Yes. It's, so it's ball jointed. So it actually allows the skiff to pivot onto the side, so that you can actually recreate the uh, the, the kind of dumping action. <laughs> dumping <laughs> action. <laughs> See, that's what we call it on the packaging. Dumping. Yeah. Dumping uh, action. Starlack pit. And so it really it allows you to kind of recreate those those epic moments from from this the show or the show the the movie Return of the Jedi. It's just so cool. All right. Incredible. That's awesome. I love this one. Yeah, and just I mean that looks like Harrison Ford. Like the amount of the precision tooling that goes back to that that looks like Harrison uh, Ford there. Those figures, we put as much work into every one of these little one inch figures as the ship practically. Yeah. We work them and rework them and rework them to work in that scale. We we have to exaggerate uh certain pieces where the transitions are where the facial details the it, they're <laughs> it's as much work as a ship so this These is a little bigger yeah. it, it, right? it's yep. crazy crazy five yeah, tonica sister yep the tonica sister um so, now we'll never be able to create this in our line but uh for for you know obvious reasons multiple but, reasons yeah um but the cool thing about this this was sculpted at, at what two three up like this was hand sculpted and the cool thing about uh our line is that we're able to digitally sculpt these due to advances in technology right Glenn like right. you know back in the day you had to sculpt the stuff by hand everything had to be sculpted by hand and that's why you know you get proportions that are a little lanky or went wonky because you're shrinking down something that was two to three times that size into something that's much much smaller um so yeah that's something that we're able to kind of uh excel at which i'm i'm very proud of and the team is ecstatic about because we get to create kind of the best of the best or the best of the line has ever seen right the the timing of the te technology is really uh right at this moment because uh you know remember these are one inch figures and then just by looking at the images on your screen you can see how much details they have and then it does not measure you know, this image actually itself is larger than one inch, right? But the thing is, you see so many details. And uh, I, I saw our designers, they zoom in that digital sculpt image on their computer so much to really change details here and there. And then it tells you how much focus is being put into something even small like this size. And then, of course, again, back to the tooling, and uh, we are able to capture all those, you know, wrinkles on the clothes or facial expressions or even the paint up has to be so precisely hit. Look at the uh, the uh, the gun hoisters or the uh, you know the head or the belt. The belt that buckle. Is, 
belt yeah. buckle. It's so small, so small. You have to hit it right on top of it. And we're talking about thousands of thousands, tons of hitting the temple at exactly the same spot. That has got to be very tightly controlled. And then we don't miss that much. You know, we, we're making thousands of them same spot. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's also one of the reasons, um, you know, just to get into it is why we couldn't actually paint Boba Fett's uh, or, uh, you know, was it the Mandalorian's visor? It's because we etched in that detail to allow for a greater feeling of depth in the helmet. And when you look at it at scale, like when you actually see it in person, the shadow actually allows you to kind of see the darkening of the visor. If we were to try to actually hit that with Deco, it would be next to impossible. Um, we were able to do it, I believe, on Jango Fett's helmet because it's a completely new sculpt. And we were able to actually flatten out the face to allow for tampo printing. Mm. And tampo printing is totally fascinating it that glenn if i'm not mistaken it's a giant blob of silicone that essentially like plumps down onto some paint uh, yes. in a specific pattern and then plumps it onto something that allows it to uh to uh be on the actual vehicle or on the actual figure or micro oh, that's right that process is just amazing and uh, uh you know it just like uh, max said it, it basically is a rubber stem but the things imagine the it's all automated. The, every time the rubber stand come down and hit the ink well, right, which is actually exact shape we want to print that image onto the any figures or the vehicles, it has to hit a right at the same spot because if you miss a line, the previous print will left over inks on that rubber pad, and then you will print that on the visor area. It become two visors. So every time it picks up the ink, it has to pick up exactly at the same spot. And then when it comes back to hitting the real product, it has to hit at exactly the same spot. And then that same spot we're talking about, it can be can be as small as 0.2 mm spot. And every time it has to hit the same point. So that that is a, a you know amazing process that we have here. Well, and the, the other really cool thing about that and the other advancement technology at, that I think we all kind of gloss over is the micro figures from Action Fleet, the micro figures from um, the Star Wars Micro Machines line from the 90s, and uh, even a good portion of the vehicles, those are painted by hand. Like, you had somebody with a magnifying glass in their eye painting these things by hand, correct, Glenn? Uh, in some cases, they are. Uh, yeah, but the thing is, again, you know, Tempo technology has improved tremendously from the you know past to today's. Yeah. So I'm not surprised to, to see if our still hand-painted vehicle, I mean, vehicle in the past, but today it's going to be very rare. Yeah, because of the cost of labor. But the cool right. thing is, like, you look at, again, you look at these old action fleet guys and their helmets are, you know, the, the eyes are slightly misaligned or one's bigger than the other. The really fascinating thing about this line, and again, you had someone hand painting all those details. You had the precision of a human mind, a human hand, human skill. Imagine all of that being completely automated. And that's what we've been able to do here. And that's what's really so fascinating about this line is that all of the, the details that you see painted on, all the deco, all of that is done by machine. It's unbelievable. Otherwise, the, you know, these characters would have almost no deco or be completely unaffordable. Just too expensive, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's that beautiful Geonosian starfighter. Yeah. Now, are these are these working models that you're showing on screen here? 
These are digital renders. These have been okay. digitally painted uh, uh, from our 3D sculpts. So these are, I believe, the final or close to final 3D sculpts for the vehicles themselves. Um, and then, uh, you know, the the microfigure accessories as well. So these are the deco. Obviously, these are shaded as well. The deco will obviously be a um, a bit different, a bit more mm -hmm. lifelike when you actually see them in, in the flesh, so to speak. But the level of sculpt detail like i mean look at the b-wing like whoa, yeah. oh by the way hopefully this will uh I, I know there's been some comments online about how we're missing a cannon on the b-wing nope it's there it just i haven't noticed that we had oh okay and uh that is a female b-wing pilot as well i think right cool. right love this ship yeah. yeah that's a gorgeous ship oh yeah uh, was never yeah. able to understand as a kid how it worked, but it's still a cool design. <laughs> I'd rather be in an A-wing because then I know, you know, where I'm going. But the B-wing, it's like my upside down, my right yeah. side up. How does that work? You know, at that time, these are uh, asymmetrical design and the, the cockpit location are so different from the regular planes that we see. I mean, I mean, the original designers, I, I give them a shout out. It's away from design. It's outstanding at that time. You know, everything here reflects, you know, how forward thinking the designers, you know, were having. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Now, will the will the cockpit on that be free floating? I believe it's it's not free floating because of the scale, but it is something where you can reposition it. Okay. Uh, it's just so small. Right. Um, and and again, uh, Glenn, John, just uh, check me if I'm incorrect there, but I believe that it's rotating. Yes, but it's not something that's free floating. Or gyroscopic, just because okay. of the size. Gotcha. Right, yeah. but I believe is rotating, right, John? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, you yep. could you could turn it when you change the orientation of the ship. Right. Yeah, and again, this is this is your first look at Series Five. Um, again, this is subject to change, but uh, yeah, there's two classified ships in there. Um, one of which uh, I'm happy to reveal with you guys today. Drums, please. <laughs> uh, first of all, I want you to take a guess from the silhouette. Don't look at the character. Look at the vehicle. And just think of which Jedi Starfighter or Jedi Interceptor you would really love us to do. Um, the first, does, did Mace Windu have one? Mace Windu had one, yes. But that's not the one that we're revealing today. Shock T. Nope. Uh, 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 Ayla Sakura. Yeah, let's secure. We already did. You've already, know, yeah, I've already done that one. Let's see. <laughs> um, come on, Glenn. You're Don't the one with the names, dude. I suck uh, at names. You know. Uh, this is, uh, by the way, here. Let me let me preface this with: this is the deepest of deep cuts. This is Yaddle. <laughs> <laughs> I know Yaddle didn't have an interceptor no, that Yaddle we know of. It could have been off screen. Hey, 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 I, Jason, yeah. I know what it is. Jason, it, it's IG twelve. Yes, 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 yes. Well, yeah, judging by the silhouette, you can tell that I it's IG twelve one hundred. Yeah, uh. yeah, yeah. And if I, by the way, the question I get asked more often than anything since that episode aired is, you know, IG twelve is technically a vehicle, so are you gonna do Grogu that goes into IG twelve? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. We'll get, we'll get to that. We'll get I to told that. Glenn not to ask that question. That one's off limits. We're not gonna ask that because I'm sure everyone's asked you guys to make an IG twelve vehicle. No, it's the the best question is, does this count as a vehicle? <laughs> like, list it off. Like, guaranteed. Like, any podcast that we go on, we get at least fifteen. Like, is this a vehicle? Would you consider this a vehicle? I'm like. 
like that's a patch of grass that's not a vehicle. <laughs> like, <laughs> you come know, on, come on, guys, you gotta you gotta guess. No, you're you making cloakoon. Um, you made a cloakoon. Yep. Oh shoot! Uh, you say it's a deep cut. It's like the deepest of deep cuts. It's a comic book. Uh, oh jeez! I'm probably not going to get it. What's uh no? What's Kanan's master? That's nope. uh yeah no. no. I'm she not going to in... get it. Then I'm out. <laughs> Quinlan right. Voss. You want to take a hand? Quinlan Voss. That's a good one. Oh, Quinlan Voss. I'm cheating good. though. I'm cheating. I've got oh. Google. Darth Vader's Sith interceptor. Oh. Ooh. So imagine that's going to be interesting looking. All black with the um, beautiful Imperial cog, along with an absolutely wow. evil uh, astromech droid, and the Darth, the Dark Lord of the Sith himself. Wow. Uh, in in the actual cockpit, and that will be a common vehicle. We wanted to find another way to get Darth Vader back into the line in a different vehicle that wasn't a Star Destroyer and 15 miles long. And this Sith Interceptor uh, is the perfect, perfect way to do so. Wow. So this that would be early incredible, in his career. Man. What, Jason? Yeah, this would be early in his career. He essentially yeah. took the Sith Interceptor or the Jedi Interceptor that he had, painted it black, and added the Imperial Cog to it. Uh, and he was flanked by a squadron of shadow V-wings as well. That's wow. Awesome. I'm in charge of that one. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What can you say? So, what can you dish? I can say nothing. Yeah. <laughs> they trained you well, sir. John, you didn't even need media training. Bravo. Yeah. Bravo. Wow. That sounds like an incredible ship, man. It's going to be so cool. Um, the other thing that I'll, I'll highlight is the TIE silencer. Now, this vehicle used to be a rare vehicle, but um, because, uh, you know, we want to make the most of our incredible tooling and the most of the design team's incredible work, um, we actually made this a common vehicle. And one of the things we will be doing going forward is, uh, you know, we don't want to use unique sculpts unless it's a microfigure accessory for the um, the rare and super rare vehicles or, you know, partial retools are okay. Uh, so we switched the TIE silencer to a common vehicle, the same as the TIE bomber was a rare vehicle that we switched to a common vehicle. So this thing is... This thing one is gigantic. It doesn't fit in the packaging um, and actually needs a little bit of consumer assembly in order to make it work. But I mean, John, uh, did you work on this one? That's Gihun. Gorgeous. That's why it doesn't fit in the packaging, right, John? (laughs) (laughs) It's gorgeous is all I can say. Uh, My favorite thing about this is that Gihun and the teams also they pour over the cross sections books that were put out by DK so they can actually add those individual details for the first time in toy form. So, you know, you might not get a lot of action features with a regular scale tie silencer, but with the micro galaxy squadron tie intercept tie silencer, you get a lift off back section that actually includes deco details of all the individual ribbing and power panels and everything like that that's inside and so it really does look like it did jump out of the pages of one of those cool dk books it's awesome it's amazing that looks great so that used to be what a chase or a rare i'm sorry it used to be a, uh, a rare uh 15 000 pieces limited and now it's a common vehicle um, what did part... something take its place yes are you allowed to say what that is I mean, judging by our conversation, I think you can probably tell what it is. Is that V-Wing? Is that a V-Wing? 
It is a V-Wing, and I believe we just discussed some V-Wings, didn't we, John? <laughs> Shh, Jason, stop. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want the conversation to end quite yet. <laughs> I, I love the U-Wing, and I cannot wait for that to come. I am very excited about that one. Hear that, Glenn? They're all very excited about the U-Wing. Oh, oh I hear up? that. I hear that. <laughs> I love it, too. Okay. Oh, I love it. The cool thing about the U-Wing too is that there's at least there's one definite redeco that we can do of it with different characters. Um it, with a lot more blue on it, I believe John. John John, did you work on this one? That is not mine. That is David's. Okay, wow. Oh, that's right. David does some of the larger vehicles in the line. Um shout out by the way, like the level of detail and the level of cool like playability in this thing is absolutely unrivaled. This is the best version of this vehicle ever made easily. Nuts. Um nuts. It's, so when it's it says nuts. when it says 90 degrees there, does that mean the, the wings flip out? Is that what it's saying? No, so that actually is a shot of the interior taken from our product data sheet and the sculpt that actually shows the cannon. Uh, on the side so the the crew door opens up the cannon oh. swings out and you actually have a space for someone to man that cannon so wow. it can swing at 90 degrees of course the wings are going to swivel back okay. all the way it wouldn't yeah. be the ewing if we no. didn't have that um john you don't have the model of the ewing with you right no no yeah that one that one is is absolutely gorgeous and uh yeah we're looking forward to adding that to line at some point in the future that one does not have a definite release date as of yet so we need tie silencers. We need uh, director Krennic ship. We need that. I don't remember what the ship was called. The one that the wings fold down that they sneak into Scarif with. We need all the Rogue One love. Is that the Reaper? The tie Reaper? There's so no. many ties. Like it's no, it was an Imperial. Um, it's an Imperial transport, but it's the one that they end up calling Rogue One. Yeah, as the call sign. Oh my gosh, I can't remember. I can't either, but. I'm sure you'll get to it at some point. I'm sure we will as well. I'm just going to stop sharing and look at what. <laughs> you said Imperial Troop Transport from Rogue One? I don't know if it's a troop transport or, a, or a, like a material transport. But it's the, it looked like the Imperial tra- Imperial Shuttle, but it's got like double wings that fold up. Oh, and the Zeta-class heavy cargo shuttle. Yeah. That thing is big which, and obscure. Uh, <laughs> uh, which means it's going to be a peg warmer. There you, you go, Jason. It. Oh, no, no, it's Don't too heavy to actually hang on the peg because it is too big. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about timeline, if I yeah. could. So you got the TIE Bomber. Let's use that as an example. John, how long does it take to develop that? And then Glenn, how long does it take, you know, once you get it to make the product and put it on the store shelves? So actually I'll start that off because it's it's a giant collaborative process across the entire uh entire spectrum here. So brand will brand will ideate with the design team with the entire brand team which includes design packaging, PD, etc. for an upcoming season. That usually happens about uh, Glenn, on a good timeline, about 12 to 14 months. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah, tw- 14 months for something that is a big, large, complicated vehicle like the ATAT is a must. For smaller vehicles, sometimes we can get away with 12, but we always like to you know, include more time in the schedule, especially due to how intricate these vehicles are. If it's a vehicle from new content that we don't have assets for yet, that 100% needs to be a 14-month or longer time period. Um, so 
brand will uh brand will help select that vehicle we will get that vehicle selection approved by lucasfilm we will add it to what is called our line plan which is our master sheet of everything that's included in the line we will set a ship date against it uh we will share that ship date um with glenn he will immediately get angry that it is not enough time <laughs> <laughs> no um again we've actually we've we've gotten much better at this um <laughs> than we were in our initial launch uh but yeah we will We'll, um, we will then create what's called the kickoff email. Um, I love Star Wars. Uh, I'm, I'm a very passionate uh, guy. I love the brand. I love the team I work with. And what I love to do is, you know, a kickoff email for a brand can be as simple as this is the uh, internal SKU number. This is the UPC number. This is the ship date. This is the vehicle. This is the character that comes with the vehicle. Go. What I like to do is I like to make it as I like to create as complete a picture as possible of what I'm envisioning as a kind of kicking off point for the team. So I like to create a selection of um, suggested action features. I like to tell what exactly this content this vehicle is from. If it's a character, I want to show what what movie that character is from, what iteration of that character we should be going against. Is it a brand new uh, tool vehicle? Is it a redeco of an existing vehicle? If so, what um, what vehicle is it a redeco of? Is it a partial retool? Um, is the character a uh, a new newly tooled character or a redeco? If so, what vehicle did it come with originally? I will then send that to our incredible product development team, and what they will do is they will create a product development schedule, and Glenn can take it from there. Yeah, uh, once we've received the line plan, which is the Bible of the whole thing at the beginning, so we will plot out, you know, from the point we receive it all the way down to the ship days. And at every single milestone, we'll have a exact day to hit. So we're going to, of course, work with design hand in hand in case, you know, they need more time or, you know, here and there, we'll try to figure out how can we squeeze out time here and there to work with them. And then along the development process, we also communicate with our China side to really make sure you know, we're on cost of everything. And then so we can move forward at every uh, every step. So coming to a very crucial point is where our tooling start date. So, you know, if we go beyond that, then we are having a risk not to ship items in time. So that is the final, final day. We have to really, really make sure we keep everything together. So it does not matter how, you know, design wants more time here and there, or we, uh, you know, we can, we need to do something in something else. But when it comes to the tooling star days, actually, we have to really keep it. You know, if we slip that, we have to recalculate to see at what point down the line we can, you know, pull it back in order to maintain the same ship day. So from the beginning to the, to the end, uh, my team is having a very close watch with every single milestone and then working with the design team to make sure every wonderful, beautiful design is captured, you know, is not like compromised. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the, the tooling itself is the biggest, the biggest time sink for the entire development process, right? So once it's kicked off, once we have that schedule, then it goes to the design team for the concept phase. So John, John walked you through what our product data sheet is, right? So that is that massive document. And John, how long do those take to put together? One day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One day if I'm slacking, you know, something like that. Sometimes nice. stretch it out to do it. No, we we probably not more than a week to uh but when we're doing these, 
each each way i'll have six vehicles with six figures to do and that's wave three and then i have also wave four will be going and wave five and all of these things are all moving at once with all their different deadlines um and you know that's where the pd team really comes in you know i'll get a note from jessica hey john you need to have this and this for this project posted on this day and i'm like oh my god she's right thank you you know um because th there's a lot of moving parts that you you know you heard us talk about the detail in each one and then we have all these different items moving at once all moving toward the goal at different stages so and the it, crazy, it, it's pretty complex. The crazy thing, too, is that, you know, you're like, OK, you know, I see how many vehicles that you guys produce. That seems like a lot. The additional piece of that, though, is that if it's a different. It, you know, items, I'll have I'll have a case pack of six, but say that we have a retailer who wants a case pack of four or case pack of eight. That means that we will have to create a brand new item number or a brand new assortment number for that item, which will then require a new PDS from the team. And, you know, we want to we want to support all of our retail partners. So those also get past the design team. That means that they also need to work on those and it becomes this cascading effect. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes John and, and the team has has to deal with a horrific brand manager who just has added about 15 new SKUs <laughs> to the line plan and, uh, you know, needs them to ship in relative uh, relatively a short period of time. And that brand manager will, of course, have literally... <laughs> <laughs> zero zero care for how long it takes and just says oh it's just existing product with a different case pack it doesn't really matter existing product same like different case pack new new product data sheet uh needs to be quoted at the factory needs to be approved by management needs to go forward needs to get a production order needs to do all this stuff and it just it's such a long process because of how many moving pieces there are to ensure that we get everything right um so anyway yeah so it the pds uh, or product data sheet will be created um which does serve as our concept sheet we will share that with our lucasfilm partners um at this point john and his team have ideated against every potential action feature that we want to include um usually blowing away my list by including things that i never would have even considered including opening panels and all kinds of crazy stuff that is just so cool and so fun and adds that incredible layer of playability that john was speaking to earlier um lucas uh lucasfilm will provide their own feedback um if they would like us to do something else or if they'd like us to try to incorporate another uh, play feature or anything like that, then we'll definitely take a take a step back or we'll just submit it for approval. Once that concept sheet is done, it'll be sent to the factory for initial quoting so we can get a price against it. Um, and then if I believe, Glenn, if that that quoting is satisfactory, that's when the sculpting phase begins, correct? No, actually, the sculpting will actually move forward because uh because many times we go parallel so once we have the pds which is always good enough then we will actually start our quoting process while we are moving forward with other 3d sculpting all that right so yeah, uh, yeah. so it works in tandem yeah thank you glenn <laughs> <laughs> 
You guys can edit that, right? Yeah, <laughs> I don't need more YouTube comments. You can um, just you can just double my voice. And that happens in parallel, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and so at that point, you know, the team, John and the team go through the 3D sculpt phase, and that is probably the most grueling phase of the entire ordeal in that it's getting everything perfect, getting the proportions of the microfigure accessories correct, making sure that the pouches are in the right place, making sure that the rivets are correct, making sure that we have the appropriate finger tabs and that everything that would normally come out at a tooling model stage when we're much further along in development, that's we're taking that into account up front in the 3D sculpt to ensure that we don't have to take a step backwards once we've gotten that 3D sculpt approved. So John, what happens at that point? When, when you have the 3D sculpt, how long does that usually take you guys to turn around? How many rounds does it usually take? And then how much approval time do you usually need? Well, I, I've i had some just one or two rounds. Bam, hit it. They, they nailed it. Uh, they had a good dock. They nailed it. A couple rounds. Other ones, we just have to go back because we're communicating to our team that's literally on the other side of the planet. And we speak different languages. And so we have to, sometimes there's miscommunication. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll write some notes and redline some things. And it makes perfect sense to us. And then we'll get it back and it'll be different than we thought. And I'm like looking at, I see, I see how they thought that, you know, sometimes there's some holes in the communication. Um, and so sometimes Sometimes there'll be 10 rounds sometimes, you know, but, and but. that's for, that's for the super complicated vehicles like the at where it is, there's so many moving pieces, so many different parts. Oh, that one, yeah, Gihun's, yeah, <laughs> so complicated. So, so we all looked at that and, and found so, so many things we're adjusting and fixing and, and scale and adding detail and it needs this on there. Um, but we got a lot of it done with with red lines in the um, early stages. But he he th that thing's our masterpiece. Yeah, that adds our masterpiece. It's the most loved vehicle, one of the most loved next to the Millennium Falcon in all of the Star Wars line. Mm -hmm. And so it it had to be a masterpiece. And which you can see here, he Gihun, <laughs> that, that's Gihun. He sits right next to me, and and he did it. He delivered. Yeah. Um, that yeah we're just gonna wait till you get Gihun one of those right in your an hand absolute genius that, uh, the Gihun is an absolute master uh he's he's brilliant he creates scale models of star destroyers in his spare time mm -hmm. he's he's just a beloved member of the team and and we couldn't do anything without him and like just to show you like how how complicated the atat -AT is like check out this exploded view of the atat -AT with wow. all the different parts that are included Oh no, it's messed up. My How mind. many parts is that? Over a hundred? I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, me either. But I mean, it looks like the movie wow. parts when they were all laid out, there had that many. That's amazing. Now Len, I do have Len's, Len's freaking out about how many pieces there are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he took off. <laughs> I, I do have a question. When when you guys are waiting for stuff to come back and forth from, from the production, they 3D print everything over there and then ship it to you guys, right? It's not something that they would put it on a computer and then send the file to you guys and y'all would 3D print it there. Am I making sense? 
John Glennell, like, yeah. yeah, do you guys 3D print or do we uh, we blend? Sometimes we do, but we mostly do our corrections off the 3D files. Okay. And give our comments on there. But then we get to the tooling mo model stage and then they send us the 3D printed model. And th this is what's going to be, the tool is going to be, and this is where we get, make some of our final comments and adjustments. You know, the wing's wonky, you know, it's too hard to open the thing and mm -hmm. we have a misalignment here. Uh, we need to add some more scribe lines here. We we finally could see it in reality and we get a, a final chance to do our final tweaks on it. Very cool. Yeah, so you can even see here, like, um, just, I, I like this page, this behind the workbench page, if you can even see this, I'll actually yeah. do the slideshow. Um, this was something really cool for Celebration. This kind of takes us back to the genesis of the line. Um, and I'm, I'm happy that I can actually share this on the podcast because we can actually see this up close. So, John, Glenn, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, but this is actually the very first uh, slide from our pitch deck. Uh, that we presented to Lucasfilm. So this shows the inspiration. This shows what we wanted the vehicles to do. Originally, we wanted to be able to rip off the bottom of the wings to simulate battle damage, but that mm -hmm. didn't work out. Um, and that just shows that, you know, how close this line was at conception. And then you can see here um, the paper models that the team made in order to help, wow. like scale the vehicles to the actual like um, scaled microfigure accessories. Right. Wow. One, everything is one inch or under, um, you know, except Chewbacca is a little bit bigger. But you can see the original 3D prints that we did here. This is the very first drawing of Luke Skywalker um, from the line. And then you can see how that and the proportions were used to create Ben Kenobi. And then you can also see here the differences uh, between the Obi-Wan Kenobi from our line, digitally sculpted, painted, etc., and the hand sculpted action fleet one from 1995. Like the the advancements in technology that are at our fingertips are just so um tangible when you look at an image like this yeah. that just showcases the difference. And then um, over here, uh, you can see, again, the cardboard model that we use to actually create the scale of the Falcon. Now, the scale, the Falcon itself is not 100% accurate in terms of scale. It's about a 1.25 inches shorter than it would be if it was at perfect scale. But it would also be far bigger volumetrically. It would not hit our price point. So this is the scale that we came up with. Uh, this is the, I believe this is the, uh, the first shot or at least the tooling mauler first shot uh john it looks like first shot yeah so the first shot all in white right. and then this is uh i believe our paint master so you can kind of see all the different stages of development right there and in, in in one image just to, to speak to how how much needs to be done right yeah <laughs> it's intense it's uh, uh this is the kenner mural by the way in cincinnati ohio and this is uh our cop vamp test shot in front yep. of it that's amazing. And there's my little baby boy dying <laughs> Uh He was one of two production babies born during development. Uh, uh, Tim also had a child, uh, Kirby Bear Bungaroff. And this is uh, Dinyar Darjani Lux in his Iron Man onesie. Nice. Yeah. Adorable. I'm so glad we get to go through this deck again. I, I yeah. love this deck. Um, and you know what? Uh, I think this would be the perfect time to kind of showcase the entire team. Can yeah. you guys do this okay? Yeah. yeah. All right. So 
this this does leave out uh you know our marketing team our marketing team uh is also a a great piece of this uh jeremy um jeremy and team work wonders uh but you know you've got greg mitchell who's our vp of uh boys brands got jordan paddock who's our senior director uh you got me val handles all of our submissions and the licensor portal uh she's a completely indispensable member of the team as you can imagine uh you know submitting things to the licensor uh for so many SKUs is just a hugely time consuming process and she just handles it and she makes sure that we, we actually have all those milestones completed so that we, we adhere strictly to the, uh, you know, the Disney approval standards, which is something that is, you know, we can never take for granted. Diane Fields, um, again, our, our, our director of, uh, of design, David Rojas, who is not that short in person, um, our manager of design, Gihun, who you've heard talked about a lot already on the on the the podcast, and who you've seen at Celebration as well as on various other podcasts. Um, John, uh, who actually is this buff in real life? It doesn't it doesn't come off that. <laughs> yes, I'm made of worms, <laughs> also like dirge. <laughs> <laughs> uh tommy uh who is actually wearing an unreleased uh an unreleased armor uh and that would be john i can never remember this character's name um von oh yeah uh von uh yeah i i did uh tip of the tongue tip of the tongue camera oh my god Uh, it's from resistance what is it oh von rag von rag Rag. yeah yeah uh leon who looks really cool in the at uh, in the general beers cosplay um glenn adam who is again taller but the beard is no less luxurious uh kevin <laughs> who uh actually is an inquisitor uh and has worked uh at sideshow on various uh star wars product including the amazing star wars mythos statues of boba fett and obi-wan kenobi oh, wow uh i don't know if you guys have seen those but they're amazing uh they jessica gorgeous Jessica who does wear her hair like this every day. Um, this is Sunitha from our, uh, our our international team because this was a London show. Uh, Tim, who uh, I like how his hair looks just as wet as uh, Luke's did on uh, after <laughs> tuss- uh, tussling with the Diagnoga uh, in the trash compactor. Uh, he's our copywriter. Uh, Brett is our pro- uh, our public relations czar. Uh, he's gotten us so many amazing reveals and so many cool connections and has really helped highlight the brand. And then Kat, who is our master of social media. Uh, and then, of course, Will and Olivia. Will and Olivia are our packaging maestros. Uh, Olivia is not a robot. Um, <laughs> but the speed at which she works is just really superhuman. Uh, and so you guys have seen the packaging, right? I mean, yeah. Like, <laughs> Oh my God! Like one, uh, let's let's take it in, right? Like, yeah, you, like, this it's is a very gorgeous. this is a very rare sight too, because you usually see this cropped uh, or just kind of put into the background in the the packaging. This is one of the first reveals we've ever actually had of what the packaging artwork looks like. So you'll notice here that hey, you know, why are there two razor? Crests? I was just why noticing that. Um, and you know, hey, uh, I don't remember the ITT, the ATRT, and the AAT ever coexisting together with an ATST. Mm-hmm. That's because we actually, um, in order in order to make sure this is as economically feasible as possible, we have 
had renderings done of various different planets that we can then recolor into Geonosis, Navarro, very similar looking planets by changing the hue. And then we can add these vehicles as actual layers. So this is essentially just imagine if you just copy pasted every single image that we had or that we've rendered out into one image, same here uh, and the same here. So, you know, when you get the actual product, that amazing, cool cross cell that you get behind the blister is an edited version of this where, you know, it'll just be the Republic gunships or it'll just be uh, the Razor Crest uh, soaring over Navarro or just the ITT on Navarro. Um, or it'll be a uh, more accurate depiction of the um, Battle of the First Death Star. But the really cool thing about this is uh, that everything you see here from a vehicle perspective is actually taken from our 3d models. So these are actual representations of the vehicles themselves that we've created and then digitally colored up and made a bit more beautiful um, so that we can actually put them on packaging. And it looks like they step right out of the film. Gorgeous. So uh, it's something really neat, something that we're also considering doing for the pre-order of the, um, of the, uh, Imperial Shuttle and the AT-AT, again, a, a pending license or approval, is kind of creating really cool desktop wallpapers of these. Um, I'll show one to you right now. Just don't look at anything that's on my screen. See? How cool is that? <laughs> that's awesome. AT -AT and everything, and I'm going to stop sharing because I have... Yeah, no I don't want to get trouble. <laughs> we'll have to blur that. <laughs> no, no, I don't actually have anything. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah. So. Uh. Yeah. That's 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 what I wanted to highlight from that deck. Amazing, amazing stuff. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um. So we wanted to ask Glenn and I have talked about this wave two, or series two. Excuse me. Uh. We're we're hitting every Target and Walmart in our area every single day. Um. We haven't found some of the chases and the rares yet. Are they slowly trickling out, or has there been a mass release of series two yet? There's been a mass release of Series 2 in Indonesia. Um, unfortunately, they ordered so heavily that all of our product for Series 2 is currently in Indonesia. So if you can just get on Indonesian eBay, you should be able to. <laughs> no, okay, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> I start to believe that. <laughs> Glenn's, like, Glenn's like, what? Hold on, hold on. Indonesian eBay. <laughs> Road trip. Let's go get some. Road trip. <laughs> Uh, no, so they actually, uh, so uh, this is a great question, and it's one that we get a lot of in, in terms of distribution. So we work with our retail partners to ensure that we have the latest ways of product at retail as soon as possible. Right now, um, prepping for the May the 4th, uh, you know, kind of fan event, sales holiday, you're, uh, you're going to be able to see an end cap at Target uh, that includes the Millennium Falcon, but also a restock of the Grand Army of the Republic Battle Pack, that amazing series of four LATs um, with five microfigure accessories and a bark speeder included for the low, low price of $29.99. Um, now, again, that's a great example of an MSRP, right? We actually yeah. had that item as with an MSRP of $39.99 because of everything else that you get. Target... Um, which is amazing, decided to list it at $29.99. So again, that, that it's a retailer decision. Um, in terms of Series 2 product, however, yes, uh, Series 2 is currently hitting Target stores. 
Um, we did see a slow trickle at first, but in the Northeast, we definitely have it on shelf. I have seen reports on the West Coast of people uh, finding it, and it's just, um, yeah, it's been it's been really great. Cool. Uh, what am I talking about? It's really great. I'm sorry, I'm receiving text messages from you. <laughs> it's all um, good. No, we'll it, just... it, it is something where it is a phased rollout, right? So usually okay. what happens is the coast will get stuff first, and then it'll move gradually inward. Um, and yes, people are finding the chase vehicles, but don't worry, they are allocated across the entirety of, uh, you know, that, that store's chain. So Target currently is your best bet. Walmart will, of course, be carrying the line as well for Series 2. Um, that will be hitting a little bit later. Uh, and then after that, you'll probably see Series 3, um, probably around late summer, early fall. Uh, and then you'll also you'll, you'll start to see um, Series 4 uh, around the holiday season. And that includes the ATAT. -AT. Yeah. Of course, um, you can pre-order some of Series 4 right now. Uh, pre-order some of it on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Understanding that fans really want that chase. Um, you know, if you're so inclined to wait, great. If you really want to jump on that, we, of course, have the bundles on Amazon that include a uh, light armor class vehicle alongside the uh, Series 4 blind. Uh, and people have been getting extremely lucky with those, which I need to investigate, but haven't had the time yet. <laughs> I am. I've been one of those. I keep getting those bundles because I get lucky. I love it. Yeah, that was the the that was the big treat we had for fans at Celebration too. Is that we had a special uh, blind box from Series Two, and it included either uh, one of the two rare vehicles in it: the Escape Pod or the Anakin Skywalker on stab. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, understood on the uh, the slowness of the rollout. You know what happens or what will happen is uh you know uh, you usually get very heavy orders for wave one or series one of a product and the retailers need to move through that product before they can get to their inventory for the subsequent series and so on and so forth so you sometimes do get a bit of a lag between series one and series two but rest assured it has been produced right glenn i yeah. think we did produce series two right <laughs> Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and there is 5,000 Sabines out there, right? There are 5,000 Sabines out there. Um, there, there. There will not be more than 5,000 Sabines. Yeah, yeah. Just got to um, beat everyone to Target. I hit Target, uh, yeah. man. I hit like two or three Targets a day just waiting. Waiting, waiting for that Sabine's tie, tie yes. cider. I, the we did make a decision internally um you know we were seeing how popular that was and that does help kind of impact how we're going to be doing things going forward in terms of our rares and chases but it is something we are sticking to from a 5000 piece uh production cap perspective and a 15000 piece production cap perspective on the rares um now that's not to say that we couldn't do a cool different version or a slightly updated version in the future uh, to, you know, satisfy that fan demand, but that, that won't be for quite a while. Understood. And that hologram TIE fighter, unfortunately is a one off. Well, it, yep. it's, yeah, I don't blame you. That's gotta be that. So the, the, the hologram TIE fighter is a one off or is that hologram may come back in another like San Diego comic-con exclusive or not no, that. No. John, uh, John, I don't know. Are we doing anything to your Comic Con exclusives this year? Uh, I cannot confirm or deny. <laughs> I, oh, uh, John, John, uh, Glenn, I thought we were working on something. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost I May. I, I, uh, Glenn, do we have enough time to ship have... anything? Oh no! <laughs> oh, 
Yeah. Well, I'm glad we're on this podcast because now we're <laughs> yeah. reminded that we need we need yeah. some comic night exclusives. You we know need what? To shrink down 14 months to two now. So. Well, yeah, <laughs> two months. Uh, yeah, that's by the way, that's considered an impossible development schedule uh, and one that will <laughs> will result in uh, various serious consequences, including not shipping product. Um, but hey, hey, John, like yes. how many how many Comic Con exclusives do you think we should do this year? You can give me a real number, by the way. This isn't a trick. Seventy? Uh, no, no. How about four? Do you think four is good? That I. That feels good. That feels good, Glenn. Are you okay with four? Do you think four works for this? Year? It feels good. Look. Yeah, I need that PDS done today. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to it. All right kidding. Now. <laughs> all kidding aside. All kidding aside. We actually did rush out this year's Comic-Con exclusives, but they are some of the coolest things you will ever see uh, associated with the line. Uh, John, we can't tell anybody what they are, but oh, man, do we want to. Um, uh, and you know what? You guys had us on. Uh, you know, We had a really banner day for the brand, and um, there is one that we can actually reveal today. Awesome. Uh, awesome. We don't have any images yet, um, but it is a holographic speeder bike nice nice uh Jinx. A holographic speeder bike with um with a course scout trooper um this will be packaged in a next level packaging execution that we cannot show yet but mm-hmm. it is essentially a cube an acetate cube that has beautiful blue shading around it to make it look like it actually is a hologram and it has a beautiful sleeve that goes around the top of that cardboard sleeve um with that that cool micro galaxy squadron branding logo and uh foil callouts on it as well or foil hits is that going to um, be one of 500 as well no that will actually be one of 1000 uh nice. and that will be available at the UCC distributing booth um not the Jazzwares booth at uh San Diego Comic-Con so that's something you're going to have to hike to go get, but it's going to be something super cool. It's limited to a thousand pieces. I don't have the MSRP off the top of my head right now, but again, really cool packaging, really cool presentation. And one of the things that's really just made for display. That sounds great. I have friends going, so I'm going to have them, uh, Go straight to there and, and grab those. <laughs> have them pick up too, Jason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're gonna, you're gonna also want to go to the Jazz Wars booth because, oh my god, the three <laughs> exclusives we have that I can reveal are all somehow interconnected and related to each other are beautiful. John, John, it's okay, it's okay. John We're almost done. We're almost done, John. <laughs> He's gagged. He's gagged. <laughs> um, I also wanted to ask about this. So I'm a big Salacious Crumb fan. And I, I did my target run one day and I already picked up my, was it the, the crumb bomber, but I was just, they, they didn't have the Sabine tie. So I picked this up and I started looking at it and it was kind of odd. It's, it's, I don't know if I can get the light to hit it. It is the salacious crumb, but uh, come on. It, it, you gotta, it's, there you go there, but it's got the plo bros, not the plo bros. Which one is it? Y- it's got mismatch. I've disappeared altogether. It's, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's got that red with the uh, wow the skull on it. I don't even know how that's possible. <laughs> can you can you actually send a picture of that? Yeah, uh, yeah. To, to me, I love to look at that. Yeah, I'll that, send you a photo. That might be a crazy rare variant, dude. The ultra rare. 
Uh, and Glenn will also let's uh, let's also check in on that from a factory standpoint. Sorry, I don't want to get anyone in trouble. I was just asking. No, no. I mean, there's there's sometimes you know one offs that happen at the factory where that will happen, and it's just beyond our control. It's you know one of however x many tens of thousands of pieces, but that's fascinating, man. That's really cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. It's rarer than the Sabine, so. <laughs> Uh, it's not the rarest Micro Galaxy Squadron vehicle, though. Um, there are two super, super ultra mega rare Micro Galaxy Squadron vehicles. Um, one of one, in fact. And one of them is gone forever, and the other is in a very secure location. So it can never be gone again. It can never be taken. Oh, hold on one second. Oh, good. I'm like, what are they? <laughs> and then he gets well, a text. Heard, Do I not talk about, about them. The my, my wife is my wife is texting me, and I need to I need to help in a little bit. So yeah, um, we could wrap this up. Yeah, we will need to wrap it up in a few. And Glenn and John, thank you so much for giving yes. your uh, your yeah. afternoon to this. Um, yeah. So the super rares are uh, Yoda's Jedi Starfighter. Originally, only was planned to come with Yoda. Um, and it was going to include an empty astromech port for you to put any astromech uh, droid that you had in your collection in that port. However, we decided at the very last minute to include R2-D2 in that in a sustained packaging change. However, because we do get first early production samples of our items in office, we actually had one one sample that I know of. Glenn and John, you might have one. Um packaged of yoda's jedi starfighter with just yoda so that that's incredibly rare and then our amazing droid starfighter so you uh you probably noticed that uh there is a numbering uh an, a missing number essentially in our collector number system and uh you also notice that there are only two common vehicles in wave two or series two of the uh light armor class and that is because we had to redesign our droid starfighter. We originally wanted the wings to fully transform on their own. However, that was a fiddly nightmare. We then went back to the action fleet line to look at how they did it. That was an even worse fiddly nightmare, and it was even larger than we would be able to make our vehicle. Uh, and we looked at pretty much every version of the uh, the droid starfighters we made to date, and hey, spoiler, they were all fiddly nightmares. So... We originally actually tooled and went into full, almost full production on the original transforming leg function one that was extremely fiddly. We then, of course, were like, no, this isn't going to work. Our partners at Lucasfilm agreed with us, and we had we created a set of two, uh, set, two sets of legs that would come with it. Two that open up for flight mode, and then two that are actually articulated for walking mode. Um it works so much better and is so much more versatile for display. It's it's such an elevated product and also allows us to open the wings for that iconic either closed or open and blaster firing uh, function. However, to my knowledge, uh, there exists one package sample of the transforming uh, droid starfighter, and that is currently at my desk in Bristol, Pennsylvania in packaging john glenn i don't know if you have one but that is probably the rarest thing in the entire line besides your crazy plobros airship which uh, i want a picture <laughs> of and possibly want to buy from you <laughs> it's my precious 
My precious. Precious. <laughs> He'll trade it for a few Sabine TIE fighters, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a few, yeah. <laughs> hey, spoiler warning, I don't even have a San Diego Comic-Con holographic TIE no. fighter right now. <laughs> well, just so you know, they're going for like 500 bucks. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah. No, there was a graded one, I think, that went for uh, a little bit over that, too. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm yeah. okay. <laughs> I'd rather make my rent this month than uh, have yeah. a, a right. Africa TIE fighter. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's uh, any any other questions before we wrap this up? I don't think so. I, this has been wonderful. Yes. John, Glenn, Max, I really appreciate your time tonight. This has been just an amazing conversation. You're talking to two major micro galaxians here yeah we gotta be like we gotta do something like the parrot heads how they wear the parrots on their head maybe we'll just take the boxes and start wearing these and we'll just call ourselves micro galaxians and walk around conventions uh, hi i'm so i'm gonna need an image of you or just a photo of you professionally taken with it on your head uh and i'm just gonna use that for our marketing going forward done consider it done it'll be it'll, it'll literally be at the crux of our upcoming spring marketing program for 24 <laughs> I don't understand why there was a dip in sales all of a sudden. <laughs> Portrait of a micro galaxian. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Uh, John, uh, Glenn, anything last that you want to say? Um, any, uh, John, what's your favorite vehicle that you've worked on, man, or that you've designed? Favorite vehicle and then uh, your favorite Star Wars movie. Let's do that. And yeah. my favorite Star Wars movie? Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the bomber. Because uh, it's such a fan favorite and it hasn't been produced for the fans. And I'm so glad that I'm able to to give them one that hopefully they really love. Mm -hmm. And my favorite movie would probably be the first Star Wars movie had such an impact. I was like in eighth or ninth grade. Yeah. I came out of there a, a different person with enough inspiration uh to last a lifetime That's and awesome. that really helped me uh decide that i was going to go into the art field i had to, i don't know the names of all the characters and on what planets but i've studied my whole life how did he create that world that's so rich in so many scenes and it's so inspirational for people i used to pretend I was sick in ninth grade to stay home so I could paint Star Wars pictures all day in my pajamas and and just from memory because there weren't books there weren't there wasn't anything but it had that much of an impact on me and it still does it's still a huge inspiration for me such a positive thing it's amazing Absolutely. everything everything you say man is just classic and quotable like it's just <laughs> Yeah. John, I just want to use every voice clip of you for like, 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 like I don't know, like an interstitial and like a like a presentation or something. Like I'll bring those paintings. Yeah, when we do next a time, I, I will John. show you the paintings I painted in my pajamas in like really ninth grade. Yeah, you have, so, you, you have pictures of them. You have them. I I, I have the actual paintings. Still. That's awesome. That is amazing. You called him Bob memory. Ross at the start of the podcast. Yeah. You called him Bob Ross. And there was one moment when he's talking about something. I'm just like, man, that is Bob Ross of Star Wars right there. Well, it's, oh. it's because and like, you know, Bob Ross, we we joke about that. But like it, it's because he has such a passion, such a way of speaking. And because he's like, John, you have you have this you have this one, you have presence on screen. Uh, and then two, 
you must one you must have done interviews like this a thousand times because you're just a natural with the camera but like two you also have a very unique um mindset when it comes to discussing the product that is so heartfelt and is so like personal that it it really speaks to what we're doing with the line in the best possible way like you you do that probably better than anybody else on the team can so like thank you well uh you know, I get choked up even talking about it. It, it is. It is such a, a positive influence on my life. And so many other people's. You give so much joy to people throughout their whole lives. It's just just an amazing creation and such a fun place to think about and uh, go in the movies and play the games and read the comic books. And, you know, it's just just wonderful. Glenn, what's your, you know, Glenn, what's the first Star Wars vehicle you ever worked on? Um, the Naboo Starfighter. Which so, version? Uh, that is the very first version. The, the, it actually is a yellow one. The color is yellow. So at that time, there is no digital assets that we have. So I have to create my uh, digital model. I, I Back then, I used Alias. So I remember it takes me so much rounds to get that there's a little curve shape right behind the uh, the pilot seats. I have to do it so many times to get it right. And uh, so that was my first one. Actually, prop, I mean, the other one I touched on is really not very significant because there are other, you know, more uh, senior designers in the in the team. I was the one that used the, you know, this 3D software called Alias to, to build that model. Uh, but the thing is, I, I echo what John was saying, you know, when I was a kid, probably in the, you know, grade school as well. You know, look at the first Star Wars movie. Uh, you got to know that I was from Taiwan at that moment. There was really not a lot of toys or anything information other than that movie comes to us. But the thing is that that is a, that is a crucial moment that affect my profession uh, down the road. And then you know, I, I never s- realized that I was set at that moment to become a toy designer, and I was so excited to join you know, Tonka at the first place and knowing they are the source of all those cool toys. And then I finally get my hands on the toys. It was just, uh, you know, like kids in the candy candy store. That was just amazing. So, uh, and I'm uh, very glad to see the, the latest uh, new generations of Star Wars toys coming out from, you know, our company. It, it's just like, uh, I'm totally flattered and uh, I appreciate these uh, opportunities uh, in my in my journey of this uh, design uh, path. So uh, really appreciate it. and I'm grateful to meet uh, the fans, new designers, and uh, you know, you know, the the managers that have the same appreciation of all the details, all the you know, small stories here and there, characters, all that. So I mean, I'm I'm grateful. Yeah. And Glenn makes it happen, guys. Like Glenn again, again. I'm, they said something about John. Like personally, like Glenn is. Glenn has always been there. Like he and the PD team are always there 24 seven whenever we need to talk and they'll like, they'll communicate issues, but they'll also offer solutions. Uh, and, and that's what gets the product to shelf. Like that's simply how it, how it gets done. If not for Glenn and his team, we would not even be here talking because that's, that's just how fast they move. If there's an issue detected, they solve it. They work to fix it as soon as possible. And they, they, you know, it's, it's one thing to be creative and, you know, create or, or, 
you know, digitally render something or whatnot, but it's another thing to be creative when it comes to problem solving, especially from a production capacity. And the team is so incredibly gifted on our end to do that. So like kudos to them, like it, like, like just every minute detail we've captured that because of Glenn and his team. Thank you very much. Credible. It's an honor. And your favorite movie, favorite Star Wars movie. Oh, uh, the empire. Strikes Back. Yeah. Yes. Love, love, love that one. There's no wrong answer, but that's the right one. Yeah. Awesome. We're trapped. <laughs> We're trapped. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah. And Max. Oh yeah. man. All right. Uh what was the question again? Your favorite Star Wars movie and your favorite vehicle. Favorite vehicle, 100% the Mule's 10 gunship. Uh I love that thing. I love the Rancor face in the front of it. Um yeah. I like it it was my goal to get that done and uh Favorite Star Wars movie is Return of the Jedi, um, but favorite Star Wars thing, it's split between the Dark Horse Star Wars Infinities comic run. Are you guys familiar with that? I know vaguely. It's essentially what if for Star yeah. Wars. It's phenomenal. That's um, the redeemed White Vader, right? Yeah. yeah. It's also it's also Yoda using the Force to crash uh, the Executor Star Destroyer into Coruscant, killing the Emperor. <laughs> Isn't that the one where Darth Maul tries to kill Luke and Obi Wan comes out? Maybe I don't remember that one specifically. Um, but yeah, my favorite Star Wars thing though is is uh, also the Genity uh, Tartoski. I'm butchering the name. Uh, 2003 micro series. I think yeah. that is one of the greatest pieces of Star Wars art ever created. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's awesome. What about you guys? Yeah, Empire Strikes uh, Back. I have oh, to yes. go with the Empire. And your favorite vehicle? Um. I have to go with Ewing. Off oh, the top of my wow. head. Oh, Ewing. Wow. <laughs> Same with me. Yeah. Love it. I fell in love with it in Rogue One, which is my favorite Disney era movie. Love Rogue One. Uh, lament the fact they didn't do a uh, crossover or promotion with Ragu Pasta Sauce and call it Rogue <laughs> One. Ragu One. Um, actually, I have a sidebar fun story about that. So I worked for a company called Zagware. Uh, uh, which had a division called Zag Toys that was purchased by Jazzwares, which is how I came to work here. Um, but the, it was a consumer products marketing company. So what they would do is they would create, um, they work with uh, brands to create like cool like product experiences. So if you ever think about mail-aways, uh, the one I have here. So for Ant-Man, right? Do you guys remember how Hank Pym had a uh, keychain that was a tank? Yep. Yeah. And then you could blow it up. So Zagware would actually create like promotional items like this. And they would, you know, give them away or sell them or what have you. Um, for Rogue One, they worked with Schick for their uh no Gillette. For Gillette or Schick, I don't remember which one. Uh, and they created uh for salesmen, they created these uh themed razor handles that were a death trooper, a um uh, like a KTSO unit, a stormtrooper, a shore trooper, and it came in this awesome case. And it was meant to like promote Rogue One and to take around to stores and stuff like that to shop around. It was really cool and it was like one of a kind salesman samples. So it was really, really neat. And that was on my desk at Zagware for a good year and a half before they made me give it back. Oh. <laughs> All right, How about you, Glenn Williams? Your favorite um, vehicle and your favorite movie? 
Uh, favorite movie uh, is is Jedi, but I've got to go with Jason. Rogue One is a close second. Uh, but Chip, it it's got to be the Ghost, just because of where where it comes from. And uh, I'm a Rebels guy through and through. Oh, I couldn't tell by the uh, that awesome <laughs> art in the back of your uh, wall over there. That right? Yeah, that's the uh, S Preston, J S Preston, or something. I got that from Celebration in Anaheim. So oh, I man. saw it and it stopped me. It was pretty awesome. Man, I'd love to do a ghost. I, I think you know it, it would be a challenge of which of which version of the Vantum that we would do, or maybe if we could do both, and they somehow both fit into the ghost. Right. Yeah. That ghost would be huge, though. I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. You wouldn't have a problem with the size. You think that, John? Like <laughs> they don't have. Like, that was our big question during our meeting. Is like uh, we think that people would just be put off by the size of the ghost. So they have talked about it. Yes. <laughs> That's that's a plus. That's a plus. <laughs> we have talked. We have discussed the ghost in detail. It is a beautiful ship. Yeah. And I love Rebels. And I also really, I love the relationship between Hera, Cannon, and Chopper. I think that is one of my favorite, uh, like, beats from that entire series. Mm, yeah. Anyway, um, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank thanks you. Thanks for coming we'll, on. Uh, put my little baby boy to bed and yes. uh, take in the groceries from the car that my wife says they're currently rapidly molding. Um, <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to say thank you guys so much for being fans. Thank you to all your listeners who are supporting the line. Um, thank you for everybody who ordered the, uh, the, the Mandalorians N1 Starfighter and continues to pre-order from Amazon and continues to hunt for these things in store. I, you know, you'll you'll be able to find more of them soon you'll be able to find those exclusives soon uh that we've teased that are coming out um which by the way i can reveal that we have the coolest name ever uh the awesome return of the jedi what we originally called the battle of endor 40th anniversary pack which includes the millennium falcon with all new deco by the way including a broken um a broken busted up uh Radar dish. Radar dish with scarring and everything like that. And two TIE Interceptors with battle damage deco. And two Endor Rebel soldiers, Lando Calrissian, his general uniform, and Nia Numb. Uh, that is now called the Destroy the Death Star Battle Pack, which is just so epic. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's coming, that's coming this holiday, and then a special Endor AT AT um yeah. with awesome Endor Deco will be an Amazon exclusive. Um, and then for all you Ahsoka fans out there, which you know, I know there's a ton of you, uh don't worry if you weren't able to find that Ahsoka Ahsoka's uh, Jedi Starfighter because we removed the hyperdrive ring, we upped the deco, and we are including that as well as the Jedi Interceptor that appeared in one episode of Clone Wars, along with Ahsoka and uh, her our four unit or our two unit uh, as an Amazon exclusive, uh, the Ahsoka Starfighter Evolution Pack. I'm looking forward to. I'm glad you guys did that. That's a cool uh, way to get that ship back out there. Yeah, I, I, I again underestimated the demand for Ahsoka at our own peril, and so this is this is our desperate attempt to make amends. Um, but uh, yeah, John, Glenn, any any parting words? Thank you guys so much. It was such a pleasure. Uh, Absolutely, talking. yeah. But, you know, our counterpart parts, other passionate uh, Star Wars fans. Um, it, it was wonderful. Thank you. No, thank thanks you for coming on. Thank you very much. Thank you, Glenn. Glenn, anything you want to say besides thank you very much? Uh, it's just uh, I'm, I'm just so grateful that, that to be with fans and the pre- 
to be with the great designers and a team and work on this line. It's amazing. It's a childhood dream come true. Awesome. So I'm just grateful. Yeah, echoing the sentiment from all of us. So again, from from Micro Galaxy Central, I wanted to thank John. I want Glenn. Thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day uh, to to chat with all of us and yeah. to chat with the fans. I mean, this is such a special treat. I I I've never heard a podcast get this in depth in terms of how toys are developed and how toys are designed. Uh, Glenn, Jason, like I, you know, I, I'm not sure who you've had on before, but wow, this was a great deep dive. And this was, was. this is seriously interesting for anybody who's a fan of how toys are made or whoever wants to get into the industry. This is like this, this episode really serves as like the first master class in that. So, um, <laughs> well, thank yeah, you. Thank you, you for the opportunity. Yeah. You helped. So thank you. <laughs> Gentlemen, we appreciate it. Yes, we do. Thank you. Thank you. All right. May the force be with you guys. May the force be, with, be you. with you. So that was amazing. A little bit. Just a little bit. So we just <sighs> wanted to jump on real quick to wrap things up. That was when I, when I told him that we wanted to talk shop, I didn't expect to get that level, which I'm just like on a cloud nine right now because yeah, that it's was... just amazing wow yeah and it's great too because like the way they did things in the kenner days it's completely different than how they're doing things now right and so like i think they i mean the way they, they were talking about printing on Django fett's face with that silicone mold i think that's how they do face printing now for like the black series and stuff but nobody talks about it so it's <laughs> it's very illuminating right I've, I've seen that type of printing with like people plates. printing on plates yeah. yeah and it's wow if they can get it to like two millimeters that's crazy anyways i'm gonna have to find <sighs> a way to calm down and go to bed now because yeah. i'm pumping with like adrenaline right now i'm just ready to like run a marathon that was the first time in a long time that i was like nervous starting the show me too me too because <laughs> we we talked for a few minutes pre-production stuff and and john had come on a few minutes before everybody else and then all of a sudden there's glenn and then max comes on and then we talked shop for a minute and then it's like all right, all right let's get going and it's just like oh crap we're doing this and yes that was and we did it and we, we did, did it. it high five um, thank you for listening to smugglers galaxy podcast if you could please leave a like like and a five-star review of the show anywhere you listen to podcasts if it's allowed it really helps us out you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Send us an email or message us. We love feedback. We love to make you part of the show. Our email address is smugglersgalaxy at gmail.com. Thank you to Alfonso Riviera for the Smugglers Galaxy logo. You could find him at the Rock the Force podcast. And thank you to Levi Waterhouse for the Smugglers Galaxy music. Hasbro re-release VC66 hashtag vote with your wallet. Sabine will be on next week. Pass on what you've learned. Be a positive force in the collecting community. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way.